the laptop goes open or goes on and the computer goes on, they're on their phone straight away looking at emails. And the thing with that is that instantly you're reacting to other people's requests, which doesn't, you know, once you start reacting, it's very, it's very hard to start looking after yourself and you doing things for other people rather than being proactive for yourself. So uh, there's, a, there's one thing that I, I, I like to do in the morning is I'll come in and at my desk, yeah, I'll open my laptop, yeah, and I'll, I'll switch on, but then I'll just spend maybe a minute or two just doing something that I want to do, whether that's sit back on my chair, take a sip of my coffee, maybe look at my to-do list and shuffle my paper around a bit. I'm just being proactive for me, maybe do a bit of mindful breathing, and then I open my emails and then I start doing the things that other people require me to do. So I'm being more proactive than reactive. And it just sets you up in a really good headspace to start with. And then that balance can, can start to come into play. Um, you, you, you're essentially, you're winning. So hi to Scott and welcome to the Get Work Savvy podcast. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Ah, uh, excellent, excellent. It's um, fantastic to talk to you. And we'll get into a little bit more about how you're going to be a bit more a part of the show in the coming weeks and, and months. But first, just for the listeners, let's hear a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're just talking uh, just talking off, off air, off air. I don't know if that's the right thing to say about <laughs> how, who we are and, and, and human beings, human doings, which we'll talk about maybe another time. But yeah, I mean, in, in, the, in terms of what I should say or what I feel like should be said is I'm Scott. I'm a confidence and progress coach for men. And I essentially what I like to think of it is, is I help men create this mental toolkit so they can get more from their life and from from work and, and feel good in themselves uh yes it's, it's a very nice enjoyable role and and that's kind of what i do on a day-to-day basis i'm also a dad a husband <laughs> all of those things um and I, I very much enjoy being a dad and a husband so they're kind of the two main things in my life is my my family and my work which is i imagine for a lot of people as well Awesome. And just to, to let the audience know that me and Scott have been chatting briefly about things and we've been connected on LinkedIn and we'll leave Scott's details in the show notes so you can go check him out on, on LinkedIn as well. But Scott has got so much to offer us in regards to the way we think with mindset. And we've been talking about a few things off air as we've as we've been discussing and we just thought it'd be a great opportunity to to share it with you so over the coming episodes we're gonna have occasional episodes with both of us just talking about a subject which hopefully will provide you with some value and the first topic that came to mind really for for both of us I think was the state of the world and and how we're currently living in a lockdown and how people are living with their work in their daily lives so we thought talking about work-life balance would be a good subject so I don't know how much that's kind of changed for you recently Scott but I know that work and life it has been a part of my life I work from home quite a lot anyway before we had lockdowns and things like that but even so it's um, it's just become even more embedded and sometimes the lines can get blurred so I mean how how is it for you do you find the same or or is it a different experience for yourself yeah I feel I mean I worked from home a lot anyway like similar to you so it wasn't a huge shift for me but what I found is in lockdown you don't get out as much 
you can't you get out maybe for a walk a day that's kind of the one bit of sanity that you get rather than just sitting at your desk or just walking downstairs you actually get to go outside but times I used to go to the coffee shop and, and, and do some work or I used to go and get a cake and I'm not sure if that's a positive or a negative not having the cake um <laughs> good for the waistline but it's not as it's it's, it's different and there is a it is that you put it right there is a, is a line and I think it sometimes gets blurred and I have found me personally and I you know I have a lot of tools in my toolkit to be able to to help with things like this I still find that I need to really remind myself to take a step back from from work and go and live a little with my family and, and doing the things that I want to do whether that's you know seeing my family and, and you know dancing in the living room or whether it's you know looking at a YouTube video just to disconnect from work definitely a challenge which yeah I think I, I was kind of expecting because it's not not something I've ever done before being completely locked down but yeah a challenge in itself yeah absolutely and I think I think everyone perhaps had their own little imagination of what it would be like and uh, and reality certainly does kind of yeah present a few more challenges and um and hurdles than perhaps we were expecting and I mean for myself I thought I was super prepared I thought there wouldn't be any different to my, my normal working week but as as you mentioned knowing that you can't do it <laughs> is uh mm just throws a different kind of mental state but i mean one of the things that i do quite often and that you touched upon there is actually getting out and and trying to get some fresh air and i'm not talking about just taking the bin out or just stepping out into the garden like i find myself when i'm kind of feeling a little bit more under pressure or i'm feeling a little bit more stressed or just don't feel like i've been away from work for a long time I take myself off for a walk and I try and get out where there's some greenery. And I know that at the moment it's only once a day that we're meant to be doing that. But I do find that in those moments, I do find some sanctuary of taking myself away and not necessarily having my phone with me also helps. I don't know if that's something that you practice as well or, or something that you'd advise. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Not having your phone is the real benefit easier said than done I must admit and I'm probably <laughs> and I, I struggle with that a fair bit actually because my my work I do a lot of work on my phone so I have to make a real conscious effort to leave it to one side and, and yeah exercise is uh, you hear it a lot you know people go oh go out and go for a walk do some exercise it's good for you but it's true <laughs> you know going out and doing some form of exercise is really beneficial for us but it releases those happy hormones it reduces stress it, it makes us feel good so you feel like when you eat that cake or that biscuit you don't feel as guilty and I think there's a, a slight disconnect when people often people will say I need to need to exercise which means they need to go hard for a good half an hour and what happens is is that if you haven't done it for half an hour for a long time your mind goes mm, I'm not sure you're going to do that so why don't you just go over there and sit down just while you think about it by the time you sit down and think about it you don't go out of the house you don't do anything but if you start to break it down and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to walk outside for five, 10 minutes and get some fresh air and just see how it goes and just move. Your brain goes, well, you know what? We can do that. Let's, um, let's go on. Let's wear the shoes and, they, and you get out of the house. So I think it's, it's easy to complicate it, but even just going for a relaxed walk doesn't have to be strenuous. It's just a good way to clear your head, um, get a bit of exercise in and, you know, who knows, it might turn into a run. It might turn into that 30 minute run and benefit you in different ways. But yeah, exercise, definitely one that I would tick off the list. Fantastic. I, I must admit for, for the longest time, I mean, I've, I've done a marathon before and I used to be super fit at one stage of my life. Um, having, having children kind of uh, changes everything. <laughs> indeed. And uh, creating podcasts and things like that. But, but it's just finding time, isn't it? Like it's not 
like you say, it's kind of not letting that fight or flight mentality where your brain's making those micro decisions for you. I've found that for the longest period, like over a year, I hadn't gone for like a proper run or a bike ride. But in the summer, I was able to get myself around that by taking those micro steps. So like I listened to whether it's a podcast or his audio book, but um, have you heard of David Goggins? Yeah. Yeah, what a bloke. <laughs> Crazy, like awesome, but like yeah, super, super like into fitness and breaking down barriers. And, you know, he's got a story. And if you've not heard that, then I'll leave a link in the comments to, to some of where you can find David Goggins. But one of the tips and techniques that I remember listening to him was about making things easier by breaking the steps down. It's not trying to tackle that mountain, but like if I've put my bike outside, then I've already made that step. So my brain doesn't say, well, if you're going for that bike ride, you've got to go to the shed and unlock in the shed. And then you've got to get the bike ready. Then you've got to get your your gear. I break it down into those steps. So then it's an easy thing for me to commit to, to that next thing, to that next thing. So I use those little, mm-hmm. little steps to help me complete that larger activity. Yeah. I mean, something that's really helpful for me, a lot of people may have heard it before. It's called the five second rule. And it's not eat the food off the floor. That not that one. <laughs> I was going to say, I've heard that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, dropping food on the floor, five seconds, definitely, it's edible. <laughs> but yeah, it's called the five second rule. And, and actually, it's really, really beneficial for a lot of people. Some, you know, I, I'm a big believer in there's some techniques that work you know, wonders for people. And if they don't, that's okay, because there's another one. You know, there's, there are a few out there. But the five second rule, essentially, what you do is you, ha- you have that thought. So maybe you've been putting off so for me, if I've been putting off sending an email because, you know, it's going to take me longer than a normal one would, I'd think about it, I'd put it off, I'd move to one side and I'd come back to it later. But it would bother me. So I implement the five second rule where I go, okay, I need to send that email. And I start counting down from five. And as I'm counting down, I'm taking steps towards sending the email. So I'm opening up the Gmail and then I'm clicking new email and I start typing by the time I get to one. And what you're doing is you're interrupting the pattern of the mind thinking of excuses and giving you reasons not to do it. Because over five seconds, your mind tends to think of that. Whereas if you catch it within five seconds, the likelihood of you doing it is increased. So always count down because your mind knows that there's a zero. If you count up, it goes, hi, and there's number six. If we wait for number six, we can then give excuses and then you're not going to do it. So yeah, it's really helpful for me is I'll go, I need to do this five, four, and I'll start counting down. And then take action whilst I am counting down and and a lot of the time things get done so you can do that with exercise as well I absolutely love that I've never I've never heard of that five second rule I think that's fantastic thanks so much because replying to emails is one of those things that I I think I'll do that later I'll just do this other job first I'll do do this other job first but yeah I, I love how you can kind of trick your brain by getting to that like countdown mentality I've got to start by that zero yeah I mean, if you, and if you listen in and you, and the, the times that you don't end up doing things, you, most of the time you're sat there for a good five seconds thinking about it. You go, I should, I should really go out for that bike ride. And then you don't do it. But if you start to count down from five, then you will start to, you, you're not going to come up with excuses because you're just taking action steps to do it. Uh, it's just a really super effective technique that, that I use quite beginning a lot of my clients do as well and it really it's some, sometimes like wow I can't believe that worked <laughs> I'm definitely stealing that one Scott but uh, <laughs> yes most definitely but back onto the work-life balance I mean I don't know whether you've had many of your clients had the same experience but is it something that a lot of people suffer with or is it 
I, I guess before the pandemic, it was still as relevant. It's just perhaps more visible now. How How's kind of your perception of it? Is it something that we're just more aware of now or has it always been there? Um, I think it has always been there because it is, you know, I used to, when I used to work for a company, I'd give everything I had to that company and, and it would sometimes be to the detriment of, of my family life. So, you know, I, I needed to try and create that work-life balance. But, you know, with a lockdown, with a pandemic, it's, it's something that we haven't ever experienced before. So we're going into it with no, we don't know what to expect. And it's going to be more of a struggle. So, you know, I am seeing people, they're having to think more. How can I create a work-life balance? And before, maybe they just go along and, and maybe work a little bit too much, but be okay with it. Now, because they're working from home, because maybe the kids are at home and they're homeschooling, it's kind of like, wow, we need, we need to think about work-life balance. So yeah, I'm definitely seeing the need for it, for sure. Are there some suggested like tips and tricks that you've got for helping to kind of get people more into the the mindset of splitting their time up between work and and enjoying life and not just waking up and and seeing the laptop and thinking here we go another day <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's it's a tough one because it's got it's specific to us as people because we all like different things and we all have different triggers mm-hmm. but one thing that i've i've found is quite powerful again not for everyone but for a lot of people is I imagine the first thing that people do a lot of the time um, is the laptop goes open or goes goes on and the computer goes on. They're on their phone straight away looking at emails. And the thing with that is that instantly you're being you're reacting to other people's requests, which doesn't you know, once you start reacting, it's very it's very hard to start looking after yourself and you doing things for other people rather than being proactive for yourself. So uh, there's, a, there's one thing that I, I, I like to do in the morning is I'll come in and at my desk. I'll open my laptop. Yeah. And I'll, I'll switch on. But then I'll just spend maybe a minute or two just doing something that I want to do, whether that's sit back on my chair, take a sip of my coffee, maybe look at my to-do list and shuffle my paper around a bit. I'm just being proactive for me, maybe do a bit of mindful breathing. And then I open my emails and then I start doing the things that other people require me to do. So I'm being more proactive than reactive. And it just sets you up in a really good headspace to start with. And then that balance can, can start to come into play. Um, you you you're essentially you're winning because you're taking control of what you can control and that's you uh, and then you're reacting to other people if that makes sense mm, yeah you're starting off not thinking here we go again it, you're starting off with a, a bit of a bit of something for you whatever that happens to be mm-hmm. yeah I really like that because I mean for, for me in my experience I've got a five-year-old <laughs> running about mm-hmm. and my wife works in the evenings so it it kind of tends to be that um, I wake up early with him because I want to try and let my wife rest up before she has her day of school in him hmm. and having ultimate fun as well. But for me, it usually is kind of right. You got your breakfast and sorted you out with getting changed and everything. And you, you're going off to see mummy now. And I've literally got five minutes, sometimes a little bit less time than that to get on the laptop and get going. But I think that by just taking that that little moment to have your yeah sip of tea in my case or and and just like making sure you're you're set up and and there and you're doing that little thing for yourself can just be that release that will help you um get over that first bit again i'm going to be pinching that scott yeah it's really helpful i think and and even if you just think of it you know i'm being proactive for me uh, i'm not reacting to other people's requests straight away i think it will definitely definitely help it does me great stuff I mean, something else that I found myself doing a few times and I've really been trying to check myself with it, but is 
sometimes like when I am having my breaks, whether it be like, you know, your lunch break or just getting a, a refresh of your tea or your coffee, I find myself being a bit more of a zombie and still being mentally at work. But even though like my family are talking to me and stuff, I'm not really there if that makes any sense. I don't know if um, if that's kind of because I'm, I'm not letting go of work or I'm not mentally switching off or or whether there's like some kind of way that you found that that can help you kind of be present a bit more. Yeah, um, I suppose from from what you've said there, Again, it's different for everyone. I, I'm similar in, in, a, in very many ways is that you, know, you, you go down, you, you're, you've been working for the last four hours. Sometimes you can't just switch. It's like anything. You need that, that little bit of time or you need that tool or that technique to be able to bring you around and think, okay, what am I doing now? I'm not working. I'm doing something different. But I, I found that creating, creating an environment that is designed to get the best out of me is really important. So if I'm home working, I like to have an environment like a, essentially if you go if you were going into a company people that stay in companies for a long period of time normally the culture is very good you know you're respected everything is is designed in a way to make you feel happy and you've got support but when we work at home have we created that for ourselves mm. do we have the right lighting do we have the curtains closed and we don't feel even though you know it's not too bad weather out there should we open the curtains and feel and feel a bit of sunlight coming in you know have we got our phone on our desk do we have people around us that can help do we have a glass of water do the pictures around the around the office are they happy pictures or are they sad pictures you know what's the environment like that we're working in because that's going to make a massive impact on, on our mood which will then hopefully affect the way in which we transition from work to play or to other life so yeah I, the environment's important for me and creating that culture whether you're at work or not that's that makes a difference. Mm, I, I love that. And I mean, it takes me back to when I used to be an assessor. So I used to go and help people with their qualifications and go to their places of work when we were back in those days <laughs> mm. where we could do that kind of thing. And I remember going into one lady's office and she was always super happy. But her office, if you looked at it, was literally a door and then three walls. <laughs> like it was not very <laughs> wide. Most of it was desk space, a laptop, like company planners and stuff. And the thing I put it down to her being so happy, now you've just mentioned that, and it's only just twigged, is that she, she'd printed off or she'd got a, like a, a wall sticker of some sort, but it was like of this beautiful window that had this vista of just peace, tranquility, which was like her happy space. And I remember her talking to me about it one time, wow. but she'd set her environment, hadn't she? And, and she'd kind of not, not let her space being controlled because it was a dingy little office which wasn't like you know without that that picture wouldn't have been that great a place if she's going every single day Mm. but it sounds like she she kind of done that what you were what you were mentioning with setting your environment there yeah for some it needs you need a lot of things you know like i've got my my space for my glass of water i've got my pens and pencils there i've got my my tripod for my camera and i've got my laptop and 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 I've got a, a, my affirmation board in front of me. You know, that, that's enough for me, for her. You know, it's just a, the photograph. For other people, it might need, you know, bright colours in the room and, and, and finding something that really resonates with them. But that, it can really make a difference. You know, I talk to a lot of self-employed guys and, and, I, and I say, what's your culture like? And I go, what are you on about? I say, you know, I only work for myself. And I say, well, if you were employing other people, how would you, what would you want your culture of the company to be? And are you doing that now? And often they'll be able to know, and then they'll go away and think about it. And it's not just about what's in the room. It's about you know, the positivity that they're experiencing. Are they, are they happy? You know, and, and it just changes the way they 
enter their workspace and you know, they feel good when they get there because the culture is right um, and the conditions are right for them to get the best out of themselves and I think we forget that when we work from home um, and if, if people are working from home and they work for companies and they're just sitting at, it could be you could be sat on your sofa but if you can create just one thing that just makes that environment a more positive place for you then go ahead and do it it doesn't who knows what it is you know everyone has their own thing so but yeah, it's, I think it's, it's important um, and something we often overlook. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's got me thinking about my working environment at the minute. Like I've got where we moved into to my house a few years ago, the the home office or the, the extra room that we've got, which is my home office now, <laughs> has just been left. And, and people always reference like I've got a, like a lime green wall behind me, but I hate it. So, um, so I'm, <laughs> that's it. There you go. I'm going to have to sort that out because <laughs> that's clearly, um, clearly not um making me that the happiest when i when i enter the room it's the first thing i see i'm not facing it luckily but um, <laughs> but yeah i think that would that would certainly help anything else that that you think would uh, would help people with trying to achieve a, a better work life balance yeah i feel uh, it's, it's it's difficult but one word that i find is said a lot and it maybe needs, we need to reflect on it is the word should so when you're you're creating this work life balance it's you know, I, I should go and do this. But the problem with should is that it creates this expectation and pressure, which then potentially creates stress. So if you find yourself saying, you know, I, I, I should go and do that, but you don't at that moment, you don't really want to do it, then just stop and go, well, at the moment, I don't want to do that. What do I want to do? Well, I want to send that email instead. Or I want to go and get a cup of tea. So you go and get a cup of tea and you come back to your desk. And I imagine once you've got that cup of tea and you're sat at your desk, that should might turn into okay now i want to send this email or i want to make this phone call but listen in i always listen to the words that are, that are going on in my head because if i go oh i should go and should go and do that i i'm a bit oh you know i don't really want to do it if i don't do it though i'm going to have people on my back or whatever it might be so changing the should or listening in and then see if you can change it to want if you can't change it to want do something different and come back to it and i imagine you'll be in a better headspace and then that might change it. It's just, a, again, it's just something simple, but it might make a difference. It might not. Fantastic. I, I love that idea. And, and yeah, I, I think that it's easy to slip into kind of that, that little um, voice in your head, isn't it? And, and kind of telling you, oh, I should do this and I've got to do that now. But yeah, just taking, taking those moments. I mean, the amount of times I've made myself a tea in the morning and then three quarters of it is, is still there and it's stone cold. <laughs> the amount of times I've done that, I, I appreciate like sometimes you have to get stuck into work, but um, it's just making sure that, that you do have that, that equal kind of, you are doing the work that you're being paid for, but equally you're, you're in that, that happy environment where it's a comfortable place. Yeah. And I mean, if you were to, you know, it's easy for me just to run off these, you know, things that can help. One, you know, I know they help, so and I'm confident that they do. <laughs> but it's it's and it's 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 harder to implement them. Mm. But you know, if we don't try, then you're never going to know. And it's the same as you know anything that you do. If you don't put the a tiny bit of effort in to at least see if they work, then potentially things are going to stay the same, and you're going to be frustrated with your work-life balance. You'll be stressed out. You'll be unhappy. But if you try these small things, and there's there's many out there, it might make that either a small bit of difference then you add another small one and add another and another and another and you add up to something big that really makes a huge difference or you might find one little trick one little technique that just makes all the difference to your life and the things that we've talked about today you know the five second rule you implement that you, you change the word should to want and you try and 
think of different ways to get to that want word and you create a, a culture or an environment within your workspace that is more conducive to actually being productive i think it will make a difference it's just about trying trying them out and see if they work mm, yeah absolutely and i think people are a lot more aware of it now but something that i'm always doing is i, I approach kind of work like i'm i'm me if that makes sense and i've i've been pulled not pulled up on it but i've been i guess complimented on it sometimes because some of the ways that i reply to emails i use the word awesome which isn't necessarily the most corporate of words i would i would suggest but <laughs> it's because i'm enthusiastic about what's been said and i'm like oh awesome i can't wait to get started on this or got an idea to to help with that but just by throwing one of those not necessarily corporate accepted words in an email or adding an emoji for me just kind of that's how i would talk and act if i was in the room with somebody so I don't know if being yourself a bit more would would be like something else to help feel a bit more like you're you all of the time, if that makes sense, and not like kind of switching personalities almost, mm-hmm. almost like what we were talking about at the start there of of you being a person and and not a, a job role, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And it's something that, you know, it took me a long while to figure out, you know, I, I experienced anxiety for a good five years, I'd say, um, the early 20s. And it really affected me and, and ultimately it stemmed from me not being confident in myself. That's how, that's, that's what I truly believe. I wasn't confident, so I couldn't be myself. I didn't know who I was, which then I, I filled up my stress cup and I've talked about stress cup before and maybe we'll cover it again at some point or today if we, if we get onto it a bit later. But I filled my stress cup up and, and I became anxious and it took me a long while to come down off of that and find out how I could overcome my anxiety. And a lot of it was being comfortable in who I was as a person. And, and ever since I started being me, or finding out who I was and then being those things more, it enabled me to build confidence in myself and be genuinely me. Because you'll know the people that you get along well with, they're genuine. And if you are genuine, you make friends and you are yourself and the words that you say are you. And people like that. It's all authentic. And you'll, you'll hear it everywhere at the moment. Be authentic. But it's true. We should be. We should be who we are and, and practice them because we're unique. Ultimately, I saw something a long while ago. I'd have to Google it, but um, I think it might have been Gary V. And he talks about the chances of us being here is a ridiculous number. Mm-hmm. We, I can't even, I won't even be able to tell you what the number is. It's ridiculous. So we should be who we are because otherwise we're hiding away from something and, and it can create these problems within us. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Awesome. I've heard that quote as well, and I can't think of the number. It's like in the billions, isn't it, to to one? Perhaps even more than that. But I think I think that's absolutely right. But then, you know, having said that, there has been for me, like even even with like having worked at home for a long time, and and you know, we're going through one of the most difficult and strange periods of of our lives, I would suggest. But like, there is moments where you do get stressed, and and um, there's a lot of pressure on us and and sometimes it's it's hard to kind of get out of that and and you mentioned the stress cup and I've seen a talk that you've done about it but I wonder if you could share that with with the people listening today because I think that's really valuable and it'll perhaps help to to release the pressure of that potential pressure cooker that could result in you know a lot worse things happening yeah I mean what for for me it really shifted the way I felt and it it allowed me to look at things a little bit more logically because when you're anxious you're up, up high everything you're on high alert everything's a threat and you're very emotional uh, and when I looked at looked at the, the stress cup it really rationalized things for me so essentially what 
way I like to put it is that our, our, you can call it a stress cup, stress glass, a bucket, whatever, whatever you want. Um, and throughout our life, we start to fill up that cup, that glass with life experiences, things that weren't necessarily very positive. For example, you know, losing our job, but it could also be going for promotion. It creates stress. You know, a, a death in the family, falling over, um, you know, doing your, your driving test. And these all were stresses which mount up and fill up your cup. Now, some of us are really good at dealing with stress and some of us are not so so good. And I was definitely not one of, I, I wasn't very good at it. Who knows why? It's something that I was probably brought up with, you know, I was always that, oh, he's just a sensitive boy. And I just didn't have that confidence. So my, my stress cup filled up pretty quick and it, it filled up, it goes up and down. But because I wasn't dealing with it very well, I'd add quite a lot and I'd take off a small amount and it could take years to fill up your stress cup. But once it fills up, all it takes is just one tiny drop, which could be you falling over or stubbing your toe. It's enough stress just to add a couple of drops to the top of your pint glass and it starts to overflow. And then when it overflows, as with anything, if there's a continuous drip, it's really, really hard to get under control. That's how I think about anxiety in the stress cup. So I try to do my very best for me and for the people I work with to create ways, a mental toolkit to be able to deal with our stress levels so we don't get to the top because at the top, it's not very nice. Everything's a threat, you're on high alert and it's difficult to get under control. But when you've been through that experience and you look at it in that way, sometimes you think, oh, okay, my, my stress is just full at the moment. What can I do to bring it down? Well, I know that this helps me, I know that this helps me X, Y, and Z. So I'm gonna start implementing those into my daily routines and then things start to get a bit easier and, and you're in control of the way you feel again. hope that's helpful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think it, it makes so much sense. If you're not able to, to kind of empty that cup in, in whatever way, whether it's going for a walk and, and getting out of the space that you're in or whether it's talking to somebody, then, then it makes absolute sense that, you know, it's going to get fuller and fuller and fuller until something quite innocent normally <laughs> that could tip you over the edge. Do you think like talking, talking is one of those kind of techniques that you could, you could uh, use to, to try and empty your cup a, a little bit? Like how, how does, how do we empty our cups stuff got if, um, if we're, we're thinking about that? Yeah, emptying cup, there's, there's so many ways it's, um, you know, there's things like meditation, but yeah, you mentioned talking there. So it's probably worth talking about that. Talking to someone is incredibly important. It doesn't have to be someone, you know, necessarily, but the benefits of getting things out of our head is absolutely mad. And I remember, you know, not too long ago, probably a few weeks ago, I was feeling pretty, pretty overwhelmed. There was a lot for me to do. And, and this is a, I think it's a, a very common factor with a lot of men as well. I knew that I was getting this way. I knew that I was, I'm pretty, pretty aware of my thoughts. And I was feeling a bit stressed and I thought, yeah, I'm feeling a bit stressed. I should probably talk to someone and I'm good at this stuff. And I still didn't talk to my wife about it. I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll cope with it. And a couple of, I think it was about a week and a half went by and I was still feeling it wasn't myself. And I sat down and I said, you know, Kayla, this is, this is the thought that is going on in my head right now. I'm just, just a bit, bit tired. I think I'm just a bit stressed at the moment. And as soon as I said that, I, I can't tell you how much of a, a weight lifted off my shoulders. And it reminded me of what I used to be like. And I remember I wouldn't share any of my problems. I was one of those guys where someone would say, hey, how are you? And I go, yeah, I'm good. Are you? And then move on. I didn't want to talk about anything, but talking really, really helps me. It helps, you know, my, my clients and everyone I speak to, but it helps twofold as well is one, 
you're getting things out of your head, which is a positive because when you get them out of your head, they're never normally as bad as what they are when they're in. We can, they can spiral when we're just thinking about them over and over again. And two, what you're doing is when you talk to someone, you're also giving that person the opportunity to talk to you and they might have their own problems. And when they talk, they're starting to feel good, which means that you feel good because you're helping them. So you've got, by talking, you've got twofold. You're helping yourself by talking, but you're also helping yourself by helping someone else. Um, so it's, just, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. But I think for a lot of people, it's, it's difficult to just sort of break the habit of just keeping it in. Mm. Go there, see what it's like and see how you can, see if it can benefit you. It will benefit you. I mean, I'm 100% confident. I've been, uh, I've been sitting here smiling, Scott, because that, that's pretty much a description of, of how I, I can get if if there's a like if I'm it's a, getting a bit much that that phrase of yeah I'm good you it's just autopilot <laughs> isn't it <laughs> it really is yeah I know um, shocking and and like you say like speaking to somebody perhaps that's unconnected to the situation does does help me as well sometimes it's not my wife like because she'll perhaps tell me a bit too straight <laughs> a bit too direct but yeah, I think that I think that it certainly certainly is something that people should consider doing if if they haven't given it a try yet. And even just talking about something unrelated sometimes um, can get you get you to release that a little bit. I've found at least. Yeah, it is powerful. Like you say, it doesn't have to be someone so close to you. It can be someone that is outside of your initial circle, because it can it can be quite relaxing. You know, they, you know that they don't know anything about you necessarily, or that, you know, there's a lot. For them to learn about you so to start with you offload and, and a lot of the guys that i work with will sit and will talk for about 15 minutes straight away not about anything in particular it's just them you know talking about how they are and the way that they feel but there is still i believe a, a little bit of a stigma around um not not just men but you know men talking in general to to other people and i, I think that is gradually changing but it, it should happen more and, and mental health awareness you know it's important and having that being aware of your mental health is going to help with the work-life balance as well. So the more that we can keep that awareness up, the more we can talk about it in podcasts, on the radio, in, in blogs, whatever it is, in video, the more people will feel comfortable with it. And, you know, I was talking to um, someone the other day and um, they asked the question to me about, you know, what, do you think it's going to have an effect in later generations? Do you think they will, you know, children will be able to talk about the way they feel because we talk about it so much now? I said, yeah. But also, I think it comes down to action because children, you know, you'll know they you can tell them something. They won't necessarily do it. But if they see you do it, then they tend to follow on. Um, so it's not just mm. about, I think, saying, you know, be open, talk. It's actually for our children. It's as them seeing us talk and be open because then they'll start to mimic it um, and feel comfortable in doing it themselves. So, yeah, um, I went off a bit on a tangent there. I hope that's OK. <laughs> That's absolutely perfect. And and I think you're absolutely right. Like the amount of phrases that have been repeated to me where I'm like, I don't remember <laughs> ever talking, but that sounds very familiar. Yeah, no, that's definitely me. Uh, <laughs> I think it's probably especially difficult for people who are more on their own in, in regards to like, if we're thinking about work-life balance, if you are that solopreneur, if you're, you know, you are your company, I, I guess that must be really difficult in regards to to having that person to speak with but also to switch off as well because you're you're constantly thinking about you know the success of what it is you're doing i mean have have you found that that people's minds are a bit more focused on work because 
they are the breadwinner for that whole kind of organizational outfit or is that does that make any kind of sense Scott? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think it does yeah no no it does yeah people you know if they work on if you work on your own you you a lot of a lot of the people i help are, are, are they work on their own it's because they they want someone to be able to offload to and, and talk to and say what do you think to this <laughs> and then because they don't have anyone else necessarily to do that for so it does bring its own pressures you know procrast it tends to be the number one thing that is, is i see with that is procrastination because it's well i kind of want to do this but is this the right decision and if you work on your own if you're a solopreneur you haven't necessarily got that someone to go what do you think so you tend to find that people in those roles like to have a third party someone like a coach or a therapist or you know a very close uh, friend that they can call upon when needed just to say you know what do you think to this is this the right idea and and they offload which means they de-stress which means then they can be more productive and they can take more action steps and get to where they want to get to so yeah fantastic i think one thing that that perhaps we could talk about is the idea that work-life balance has to be equal all of the time like equal life equal work sometimes it might tip in in the direction of of either and then that's okay is it's right we i talk about mr miyagi from the karate kid you know he talks a lot about balance it's about finding that balance in life and the, the thing is i think sometimes we expect i you know i used to i used to expect everything to be balanced and if it wasn't it would freak me out i wouldn't be a very happy guy but understanding that sometimes it will tip and maybe the tip on the side of work is going to allow us to learn and grow so then we can tip on the other side on the side of life and then it balances out again you know there's there's is there a learning that we can take if so if it feels heavier on the work or the or the life that might be a good thing you know see it through for for a while and, and not for a long period of time but see what you can learn from it and i imagine it's going to be things that you can implement to bring that balance back in if that makes sense if it tips that's okay what are we learning from it what can we do and what can we then implement to make sure that it comes back into mm. the middle it's kind of part of life right yeah because i mean I, I have heard some you know some advice on, on work-life balance and we've talked about it at work and making sure that it's kind of you know you've got it you've got it in check so you're not all work but equally you need to do your work but there there are moments when you know you're launching a product or you're you're advertising something or there's something gone wrong and you need to spend a bit more time figuring things out and that will require you putting more effort in than than what you would do mentally and and actually physically doing doing work and i think that i think we're all guilty of it like when the chips are down for lack of a better phrase that you go all hands to the pump and you you do what you need to do to work your way through that situation but i suppose it's it's just realizing that it's not got to be that balance of a thousand percent work and 10 percent life for for that period of time like you do have to return and take a break as well yeah and, and we, but we learn by doing don't we so you know if it's majority work and it's tipped over to the work side and you find that actually you do feel pretty stressed you, you do feel unproductive and tired but you reflect on that you go well I, I felt really tired I was doing too much what I'll do next time is I'll do this you learn from that and then you tip it the other way uh, and it comes back but without going through those experiences you know I said it before but having problems and coming across them because maybe it's tipped over to one side is okay you know problems are a sign of life and we all want to live so let's 
accept them let's reflect on them and, and move forward and find out what we can learn from it because it's you know life, life will be boring without problems and i know it, it sucks sometimes and, and I, I don't like problems that much but they're part of life so i've got to accept them because i want to live <laughs> and that's the way i look at it and if it's if it's tipped over to one side and it's causing me problems i go what can i learn from this what can i do and then and it's not easy but it's a, a good mindset to have mm. i think absolutely yeah i i love that i love that and i suppose uh a phrase that that you might have heard but i remember especially back when i was working in in the retail sector i remember a phrase that that i used to use as well was living for the weekend and um and i wonder if you got any thoughts on that scott i used to live for the weekend too <laughs> <laughs> um, the weekend was great but you know you kind of as you get older you don't i, don't, I mean i used to drink quite a bit when i was younger i used to go out and and probably go thursday to saturday night um <laughs> and now not so much so but yeah living for the weekend is definitely a thing um it shouldn't be but if you if it's what works then then go with it if, you, if it's bothering you do something about it uh if it's not then that's cool yeah i i, I agree with you i think perhaps it's just a, a phase of uh growing up and learning and uh and getting into your rhythm isn't it so yeah yeah it's good times but <laughs> absolutely and um i do remember though like when i was i chose a different route to to most of my my fellow students um when i was making my choices for studying and, and things and i went straight into employment i, I came out of school did i got my levels they were awful um partly <laughs> part of the reason why i didn't um didn't go straight to for like the university um route but i do remember like kind of thinking the money would be the the answer and then um and then one of my friends came back and was like Liam you got to stop living for the weekend and and start like living for you because he could tell that I wasn't enjoying what I was doing and and that kind of really did uh really did jump start me into into thinking about more what I wanted to do um work wise and I think that's that's an important thing and and something that people might think it's um an impossible feat to do but if you can find some kind of enjoyment in what you do um i think that will that will certainly be a benefit as well oh yeah 100 percent enjoyment it, it's it's important and if you if you haven't got that and it's bothering you then maybe look at doing something about it but if it if you're quite content then uh, and there's a little bit of enjoyment there and you enjoy your weekends and it's all good then it's cool you know happy days all about the balance um <laughs> about the balance yeah brings us back to, to what we're talking about today but thank you so much scott i've certainly learned a lot and i hope that um the listener has taken away lots of tips and, and advice perhaps they can use in their working life to to try and um make sure they've got a balance that works for them again just to remind you that i'm going to put scott's details in the show notes so certainly um Give him a shout on on LinkedIn and his new website, which will be available once this uh, podcast is released. But just leaves me to say that thanks, Scott, so much for for giving us and sharing your insights, your expertise on, on this week's episode. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. Take care.